Hit the lights. You've discovered the Half Watt Podcast. We want to educate and entertain by tapping into the most trusted source of new technology, the ones installing and innovating it. You, the tradespeople that build from the ground up. Join us as we talk with industry leaders, veteran contractors, and even some young blood. Welcome aboard the Half Watt Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Brooks, and with me today are... Gage Runkle. And Tyler Clausen. Well played, gentlemen. So these two are the shakers and movers of the podcast. I am just simply the talent. (laughs) (laughs) talent. I don't know how true that is. I don't know either. I don't either. I'm coming off like a real like a real clown, but uh, uh, Tyler approached me a couple of years ago about about doing this, and he said, "Boy, I'd love to have you on my podcast." And I just put it in the back of my head, and I went, "Someday, Tyler's going to invite me back." <laughs> um, and then last week, I came into the studio, and this is a hell of a studio. Oh. Thank you so much. Yeah, he's done a fantastic job of building it from the ground up, and I mean, look at look at this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, our our audience can't, but I yeah. do appreciate what you guys are saying. I I did, I have spent a lot of time trying to get the studio professional and right. you know looking good, and I want people to feel comfortable in you, here. You so. did you did really well. Like when I came in here the first time, I just went. I had I had no idea it was going to look like this, and it it is it it is. Uh, the, when, really we, cool. when my business partner and I first started, we were we started in his basement. Yep, and that it's just sense. like this really creepy basement out, and the house is out in the woods, like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and he would invite people to come be on on podcasts that we were doing, and I'm like, bro, we gotta get a space because we cannot <laughs> keep inviting people out to the woods into the basement right. of a house. It's uh, not in Clackamas. <laughs> no. It's one of those houses where it's uh, it is scary to take your trash cans to the curb. <laughs> yeah, it is. It absolutely <laughs> is. Yeah. So, um, uh, so being here is really nice, and and we've been in this space for two years now. Um, we started in just this little room. Oh no, kidding! And then we've expanded out to the office area that you've seen and the producer nice. area that I've created, and so it's been a lot of building up and uh, just. Trying to do the right thing at the right time, work oh, with the right people. Your equipment is good. It sounds good. Uh, other than other than my craggy voice, I can't stand. But. <laughs> Bro, I think that you're you're diving too hard on yourself. No. You sound great. I, I just I just it's like anything else. You hear your own voice, you're like that can't be me. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just yeah. can't be me. What did I sound like? Well, you were complimenting my voice, and I'm like, you're a, you're Keith. well because you sound like a like a like a. You know, <laughs> when I hear when I, when I make like voice memos and I send them to my buddies, I'm like, oh god, is that what I sound like? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing, man. I want to sound like Sam Elliott or something. Yeah, everyone mm. wants to have that really iconic yeah. sound, but I think people need to start coming to the realization that you don't need a voice like that to just be able to, no, like, oh, yeah. and, and do a good job at speaking. And, and Sam's and, listening to this podcast, going, "I just want to sound like Mike." <laughs> <laughs> I just want a, a cold beer and a sound like Mike. I just want a yellow jacket and a sound like Mike. Um, <laughs> I'm not even going to try to do it. <laughs> but listening to the last couple episodes that, mm-hmm. that you were talking on, I mean, you just talked for, and in the first episode, you talked for like a, an hour straight, and it was just music. I mean, the moment you oh, started nice. talking, you. it was just like there was a tempo to it. Mm-hmm. There was It was worth listening to. And I compared it, I was, I was talking to Gage at the time, and I was like, this, it's like Dan Carlin. Bro, what was that? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. My my body burped without my You're concern. You're so excited. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, adult beverages. <laughs> it's like listening to Dan Carlin <laughs> yeah. when he talks about history. Like, he has a tempo to right. it. He has kidding. a cadence. And it's not like he's trying too hard to do anything. He's just talking dan i'm coming after you buddy <laughs> man his 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 podcast just took me oh, oh, right? oh my god yeah. i i just couldn't i've done, i couldn't get I enough did, of his stuff man. i think that wow. hardcore history got me through the first like two terms of the apprenticeship <laughs> did because, it? yeah i was like i went through the armageddon blueprints for armageddon i and, haven't listened to that yet oh you haven't no i know uh, i the japanese the 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 one about the, the about the Pacific the World War, War II, yeah, yeah. I I I ate every one of those episodes up. Yeah, I mean like 
minute by minute. Blueprints for Armageddon was incredibly eye-opening. Okay, it's I'll... it's World War One, and it's okay. It's insane. I mean, it's a college course look at this one moment in history. You're the second person has recommended that podcast. So, it's that it's fantastic. It's one of the the biggest uh, inspirations for what I'm trying to do here, just because it affected me so much that yeah. I want to be able to the do blue, that. Blueprint to Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're a person listening to our show and you haven't listened to Hardcore History, go check it out. I got it. And uh, Dan Carlin hit us up for you know ad money. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're we're here, buddy. We're yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> you're only in your gene. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Gage, tell us about yourself. Where'd you come from? Where are um, you at? What do you do? Man, I'm from a a little town in Washington called Kathlamet. Um, that's not a real place. That's that's not. He's, Gage well, just made that up. Well, just wait. Well, that that place had uh, I had I think twelve people in my grade. Wow. Uh, in kindergarten. Well, what's crazy is I actually didn't live in Kathlamet. I lived uh, twenty minutes down the highway in uh, Skamakaway, which is Native American for smoke on the water. <laughs> and if you've ever been there in the morning, uh, you can't see the water till noon because it's no kidding. Yeah, so much fog. Uh, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah, huh. and then. I moved to Virginia at a young age, spent about 10 years in Virginia. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah. Dad was in the Navy. And then uh, I moved back to Washington um, when I was 18 because I wanted to spend a couple here, uh, mm-hmm. a couple years around family before I joined the Navy. And then, yep, joined the Navy as a, as a CB, construction mechanic. And then, um, yeah, I did like a year of active and then five reserves i'm still in actually are oh, you still in reserve yeah um for for now at least oh, uh, wow, i did not know that i, I didn't yeah. know you still reserves huh. yeah still and then thank, uh, you, thank yeah. you for your service thank no. you for your service <laughs> thank man. you for your service oh um you throw <laughs> i was a scope dope that was easy <laughs> hey well i can't wait for you to tell the listeners about your uh your throwing of the capacitors you know, oh hey, my catch. god <laughs> that was the worst uh, but we had a hell of a lot of fun with it. Yeah. And and then, uh, yeah, I just, I always wanted to either be an electrician or like a history teacher. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was like, I don't want to go get a bachelor's degree right now. So, hey, second choice, let's go. And uh, join the IEC and and uh, the rest is history. I've been an uh, electrician for five years now, uh, journeyman for two years in Oregon, and uh, I think about a year now in Washington. And then you have a nice set too, too, or just, uh, do you have a nice set? Uh, I'm an ass, uh, access control guy. Okay. So you don't need, uh, but in Washington, so you can't work on life safety up there. You have an ELS, ELO six, but not the, right. I got the O six, but no, no, I said, do you want to do life safety? Um, I've, I've thought about it yeah. definitely. And I, I do want to branch out my skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I mean, access control in itself is, it's a big animal, but I think I'm, I'm like finally actually like uh, tackling. I'm a service tech already mm-hmm. now, so um, yeah, I, I would love to get into some fire. Nice, absolutely. I, I love I love fire. Like I told Dave this, I said it's like having a partner to troubleshoot with. It right. really, really is. Yeah, because it's always telling you what you've done wrong. Yeah, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, you, I'm still grounded. And that, I'm you, still you, grounded. <laughs> why? Why are you grounded? Why won't you just boot? Did your fire <laughs> Did your fire panel just tell you you have to sleep on the couch tonight? That's, that's crazy. <laughs> As it should. As it As should. It should. Tyler, tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, I um, I went to school for film and media, um, and this goes back to what I you were saying. I just found that lab. out. By the yeah, way. When, when you were talking to Dave in the other episode about like other people come into this trade and they have entire careers behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was one of those people where I wanted to be a film director and really my, my, the reason why I got into it is because I wanted to do like music videos. I grew up really? watching music videos. Yeah. And I was like, this is dope. You get to hang out with barely clothed women right. and <laughs> and like film them and it's are and there, it's okay are there any barely clothed women here no podcasting oh. doesn't have barely clothed women yeah. um but um but yeah they like that was my dream and so i went to film school and and there i learned a little bit of audio stuff like one class mm-hmm. and then i learned one class worth of graphic design and then after i got out i couldn't find a job for the life of me 
to do video work hmm. and uh, uh, eventually I just took some retail jobs and um, and I ended up doing getting a job as a t-shirt designer so I did graphic design and basically I call it like the fast food of graphic design we'd have people come in and do a design in 15 the minutes smack oh wow yeah the like smack doties of graphic design just, just come in we can do something real quick for you and you can walk out with a t-shirt okay. that's what i that's, that's a how good, I that's learned. a good business model actually yeah. it, it was really it like yeah that. i like that and i would love to get back there someday just because i enjoy that process i enjoy making shirts mm -hmm. i don't know what it is there's something cool about like having a des your design on a t-shirt yeah. um Absolutely. like one of my favorites i ever did was uh i'm the the middle son of of three and my dad one time introduced me to a total stranger and he wanted to say he was trying to say something to the effect of like my my older brother and my younger brother they got the slender jeans in our family the mm -hmm. really lengthy jeans and mike you'd know randy he's a fighter he's you know he's a yeah. slender guy i'm not uh, gonna i'm not gonna pick no. a fight with him um, <laughs> he knows his stuff yeah. man and uh and what my dad wanted to say was, unfortunately, Tyler got the stockier, bigger jeans. And if you ever see <laughs> Randy compared to me, it's very obvious, you're right. And, uh, and but what he realized halfway through a sentence is that um, he hadn't introduced me to this guy. So what he said was, unfortunately, this is my middle son, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i have not let him live that down and in fact at my wedding that's funny i had a shirt made for him and it was a picture of me and a really bad picture of me and it said uh, unfortunately this is my middle that's, son that is funny that's and a he good wore it to though. the wedding that's cool. and, um so like you know i i love doing that and and so um while i was doing that i tried to get a job at a t-shirt shop and the guy that owned it was a podcaster I had no idea what that was, mm -hmm. and he, but he liked me enough, and for some reason he invited me on his show. I saw him plug two microphones into his phone, and he hit record, wow. and we just talked for an what hour, that, and huh? I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. So I went to my older brother who, you know, he and I argued about comic books and video games and TV shows all the time, and I was like, let's record ourselves. Is Randy your older brother? Yeah. So he's the oldest? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's Randy, myself, and then my youngest, or my younger brother. Okay, I don't think I've met him. So. Uh, no, probably is not. He, is he in prison? <laughs> no. Um, but uh, so you know, we I stole a uh, mixing board from a friend. I, I grabbed some mics from my church. Uh, we didn't have any mic stands, so we stacked some books on top of each other. Put and we taped some cups to those books and put the microphones inside of those. And okay. that was that was how we started. That was my first podcast at the janky house. Yeah, in the basement in the middle of nowhere. Um, you can still find those episodes on the internet. Internet, although I'm sure Randy wouldn't appreciate that because he doesn't want people to hear him talk. So Randy is on there? <laughs> he is, yeah. I'm coming after you. Oh, I'm coming I'm after sorry, you, brother. <laughs> Randy, I'm coming after those, man. Uh, and uh, yeah, he uh, eventually he stopped doing it because he, you know, he had other stuff. And then um, uh, whirlwind of stuff yeah, later, I, I tried to, yeah, I right. tried to yeah. do the graphic design. I, I tried to do all that stuff. Eventually I ended up... Um, I, I had two different podcasts going on and I was delivering furniture and Randy finally sat me down and said, bro, I know you want to be all these things, book writer, graphic designer, podcaster. What you need to do is be someone who can provide for your family and you need to stop breaking your body to do it. Hmm. Um, and he, he told me, he's That's like, sage advice. Yeah. yeah he, he's like, you yeah. can make as an electrician, you can make three times as much money if not more doing one third the amount of work if not less <laughs> oh yeah those moving guys yeah oh my god yeah and i mean i still oh, yeah. my knees still click when i walk like i wow. i messed wow. my body up and so i did i i finally kind of i swallowed my ego and i said all right this is what i want to do i'm married i want to have a kid so i'm gonna have a job at all times i'm gonna guarantee a job hmm. i joined the apprenticeship and Within three months of getting a job in the apprenticeship, I realized I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. <laughs> but but I'm gonna die of copper poison. But it was I because I was being it was because I was being pushed. Right, I was yeah, being right. pushed to do something and learn something. And um and so finally, after three years of doing that, I I came out of it. I got my license, and I feel proud of myself for going after that. And and then all the while. 
I'm building this business on the side and mm-hmm. putting to use all the stuff I'm learning in the apprenticeship, all yeah. the low volt stuff, learning how to run wire, yeah. learning how to, you know, build these, these things that I need to use for audio and it, everything about it all started to come together. And so, um, yeah. And that's why I wanted to have a show that kind of mm-hmm. explores the knowledge of being a technician. I love that. That uh, that intro was quite a bit better than mine. <laughs> that was, yeah, he that really, was awesome. Yeah, he, a, he really took that. Not so hey, not so hey. <laughs> hey. Well, you know what? C, I see. We're still I'm, getting graded. Is that what's going to happen I, I on the show? It, man. <laughs> oh man, man. I, I, I grade high for participation. Gage, hey, I'm yeah. going to say right now, on, brother. Okay. So. Well, you know what? I'm sure that you will make up for me. Mike, tell me about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I'm I I was uh, I'm from San Diego, not from the Northwest. I grew up um, in the shadow of the Navy and the Marine Corps, and I was one of those guys who loved the Navy. I just absolutely adored adored ships, everything about them. Uh, I, I wanted to get on them. I wanted to ride them, um, and then I. I grew. I I seriously lived just south of Camp Pendleton, and um, oh wow, that's where my wife's dad's at. Seriously? Yeah. At right Camp now. Pendleton. Yep. Yeah. I I I ran around that base like as a kid because everybody's father was a Marine, right? And yeah. Including oh, my yeah. own. So I got to know the base and all that good stuff pretty well. And uh, I took karate uh, up there and and started sparring with Marines and really. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Right, right. Right at Oceanside at uh, Tongsudo Mudokwan Studio, and um, uh, anyway, I I went through uh, uh, high school and barely barely got out of it in one piece. I think the uh, the my highest grades were in uh, choir and photography, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And then um, I I don't tell people I lived in Louisiana. I tell people I did time there. That's, so okay. my, That's perfect. My, my dad was uh, working at a nuke plant. That's why I lived in Oceanside, because he worked at San Onofre, okay. which was a nuke plant up there. Um, and uh, we moved to uh, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, so he could work at River Bend, which is uh, up on the Mississippi. And so I lived in Louisiana for a year, and it ate me up and spit me out. Really? Yeah. A year later, I was, I was sick as a dog. Um, I jumped on a train and uh, didn't like to fly. And trained my and, and rail rode the rails back out to California. Okay. Wow. And then yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was. Are great. we talking like you bought a ticket and rode the rails, or you like? No, I bought hopped. a ticket. Oh, no, okay. I mean, it was okay. legit. Yeah, I was, I was legit. I, it I was would like, have been more fun if you were. I would have, but I, I don't, I don't, I didn't have the uh, <laughs> the uh, intestinal fortitude to, uh, to pull it off. Yeah, I'm really kind of a wimp that way <laughs> so i but riding a train for three days three and a half days was oh, awesome yeah. and um showed up in san diego and went and lived with my grandparents who lived in el cajon and um i boogie boarded every single day nice until i got uh, as i which i had done all my life anyway but i i did that until i went in the navy and um in 82 i went in the navy and they promptly sent me to orlando florida Wow. And uh, in Louisiana, it tore me up because I was allergic to everything that grew in the state. And the only thing I'm not really? allergic to is cactus, and it doesn't grow in the damn state. Yeah. Like, everything else does. <laughs> I was allergic to molds, pollens. I was taking shots in my legs. Those to, huge geez, mosquitoes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They, we got bit. I got bit by mosquitoes so bad in Louisiana, I didn't itch. And then I got back to California, and then they have a different mosquito in California, and uh-huh. and, it, and and I got bit by what? one of those things, and it welted up. Yeah, wow. Holy crap. So in Louisiana, you get bit so much that it it didn't it didn't bother you. Matter of fact, the Cajuns will stand out there and they just get bit. They don't even care. Like it just what? doesn't the bother heck? you. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, everything stings you or kills you there. Caterpillars oh, sting yeah. you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, stinging, oh, ca- stinging yeah. caterpillars. Like, <laughs> the hell, why? who makes a stinging why? caterpillar? Why would you do that to people? Um, Your food's too good. I'm gonna have to level up the playing field. <laughs> I'm gonna make this rough. I tell you, one thing they had besides uh, a good good culture and nice people was uh, beignets. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> beignets are deadly. Man, I've only I only know what a beignet is because of the animated movie Princess they're, and the Frog. They oh, are, and they like stuff oh. them down their throat. And I've always been like, man, those look good. Those <laughs> are so good. And we have, I've eaten them right at the Cafe du Monde in in New Orleans, right down in the French Quarter. Uh, my favorite place was a place called Coffee Call, which is a little tiny 
hole in the wall in Baton Rouge, and it was just, and as a matter of fact, when the last time I was down there, my brother immediately, like I got off the plane and he took me right to a place that served beignets. Like nice. that's the first thing he did. So is it is Priorities. it worth going to New Orleans and seeing that yes. town? Yes. In New Orleans, it, Louisiana is worth seeing. Period. Yeah. It, you you will you're you're all of the southern states are worth seeing. Sure. All of them. They really are. I, I make a lot of fun of the South. Right. I don't want to go back and live there if unless I have to. But honestly, it's it's there's so much culture and there's so much heritage and history right. there. Yeah. It's 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 said something. Virginia's the same way. Oh it's yeah, just, absolutely. I mean, that is it. That's the epicenter of yeah yeah of where history. it all started. Yeah, I've been at Jamestown multiple times. Yeah, that's the that's the place. Williamsburg. Man. Well, there we go. We just need them to come invite us to their place to do like a talk or something. Like a podcast. Can, yeah, we yeah. can go travel there and oh, do a show uh, there. A history podcast. Yeah, go to go visit Nova, CIEC <laughs> headquarters. So, <laughs> So I, I did uh, I, I joined the military and uh, went to Orlando and then uh, Pensacola and I uh, uh, in the in the process um, I, I was an electronic warfare technician which was a guy who looks at radars and interprets what they are right. because you don't know anything about what the hell you're gonna do I mean I knew what I was gonna be but I didn't know what that was right, right. yeah and go through school and I and I just fell in love with this job I couldn't believe it and uh, there were two sides to what you did you either operated or fixed. Okay. And okay. and some of us did both. I mean, you were you you had to do both, but yeah. But some were better fixers than operators. Um, I bet I think it was a much better operator than a fixer to begin with, because mm. I just I was like the equipment was old. Okay. And okay. janky and um, and the guys I was with on that ship were far superior technicians than what I'd ever be mm. working on that equipment. It wasn't until I went back to school and and really picked up the next. NEC Naval Enlistment Code that that that's when I my the tech side of me really came out. Nice. So I operated to begin with and did some ma- basic technical work, but nothing nothing like these guys did. Uh, they trained me how to be an operator. On my first ship was on the USS Denver, which was an LPD, and um, okay. the guys I was with really trained me, and that's where the the capacitors came from. So oh. one yeah, so it started <laughs> yeah, off. Got, with, yeah. <laughs> this guy, I come walking in the shop. Come walking in the office office and this uh and one of the one of the two characters I I did a lot of a time with out to see with um Tom Cockrell was his name. He uh had a um megameter which puts out about three or six hundred volts. I think it's I think it was right. three hundred volts. And he goes, Hey man, hold these hold these leads. <laughs> and then they crank the handle and it you know and of course that is you don't want to put voltage across your heart but in the navy no one cared so you know uh, i screamed um i don't think i wet myself at that point but it should have because it it hurt that hard Jeez, and, and, he, and I went, he goes oh he goes i'm sorry what we've been doing is charging up these things here have a capacitor and he threw me a capacitor that hurt so then we were on a rampage to charge capacitors and chase people around right, the ship yeah. with them, which oh we, we just terrorized the operations. The the guys who, who operate the radars are called OSs, operation specialists. Yeah. They're, they're the real scope dopes. Um, My recruiter. They try to get you. Oh, it was Lion. an OS? Lion OS. We terrorized the OSs. Uh, the ETs were way too bright. They knew what a, they knew what a, a capacitor was, right. but the OSs didn't. <laughs> and uh, they did after we shocked the hell out of all of them, um, but then we then it was elaborate schemes on how to how to hide them. <laughs> the the best was we got a guy who whose whose gimmick was anytime you had an open bag of anything, he would walk in and if you walked through combat with an open bag of anything, chips, goldfish, whatever, <laughs> he would just run across there and just pound his hand in there and pull out a handful of thanks. Yeah. That was his game. So yeah. he threw a bunch of capacitors into goldfish. Oh. Walked right up on the DRT, which is a big table that they do tracing on. Right. And uh and we Tom and I both had some some goldfish in our hands and we just set it up on the DRT and it took this guy like a second to go, Thank you. Don't mind if I do and reaches in there and I don't know how many capacitors he hit, but it oh rained goldfish. <laughs> And he yeah, screamed, he just... I can't feel my arm. And we were laughing so hard that I, I mean, I can still remember everybody just busted up and laughed and fell on the ground. It was, you know, that's the kind of ship it was. It was a, it was a, we were, we were, it was unreal. So yeah, we, uh, did he we learn his lesson though? Did he stop putting his hands in things? 
I don't think he could teach OS3 West anything. <laughs> uh, he was a good guy though. Don't 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 come don't come hurt me. But uh, no, it, he was he was he was funny. Everybody had their own right. Yeah, going out to sea is is a you, you don't realize when you're out to sea that you know you can only if your ship is 600 feet long you can only get 600 feet away from the guy you hate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it. And yeah. and you hate everybody. Especially when you first get out to sea, you're like, I can't stand any of you people. Yeah. And then you realize that these are your shipmates and that that they're hoping that you don't fall asleep on watch. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And vice versa. Uh, And the team, you know, the team building starts to begin. Sure. And then you realize that, yeah, this is it. This is this is the real deal. And, you know, you could really die out here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just just listened to like like a six hour thing on the. USS Indianapolis. Oh, bad, yeah. bad day. Bad day. Yeah, bad day to not be in a fleet or, <laughs> yeah. or a carrier group. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you guys don't know the the story of the Indianapolis, it um, it uh, got sunk. It by del- Japanese it, torpedo. By a Japanese boat. torpedo. Man. That was at that was at Pearl Harbor, right? No, no, it was no. after the bombing of yep. uh, Hiroshima, or it was no, not good. It brought the bomb. It brought components over. To put oh, the bomb okay. together, that Thank they you. bombed Hiroshima. What with. was the big? What was the big ship at at Pearl Harbor that sank? Wasn't there like one the that's Arizona. like Arizona? Arizona. That's what it is. Okay, yeah, that was the one where like they it's were working there, on it for like days and trying to get people out. They were working on almost all of them. All the big battleships. Oh really? Yeah, they almost all of them. There was a few that made it, but but all of them sunk to one degree or another. So they, why is Arizona? Kind of the the one that sticks the magazine blew up on it and it sunk oh, and there was no there was no recovering it. With the yeah. other ones, they could recover. The mm. Arizona was unrecoverable and it had the largest loss of life. Yeah, yeah, and it's right there. I mean, you can see it. Like, yeah, it's, it still leaks oil and it's, it's still leaking oil. Mm-hmm. It wow, always, it always leaks. It'll have, it has fuel oil on it. Stuff like that. Why can't they get that out? I I don't think they want to now because it's more it's a memorial. They just deal with it. Oh wow. Plus, I think so many fish live in live yeah. in that too. I mean, it would just it would destroy a whole ecosystem. Well, I mean, really. I mean more like if it's leaking oil, then there's obviously a, a storage place of oil, right? There's like a it, lot of storage places of oil. It could be, and they can't just, they half, can't access no, that. No, it's hmm. it's it was so bad when Pearl Harbor was hit. The oil was so thick, and it was everywhere. Yeah, and that that sailors were completely covered in it. it it was awful, and it's not like like diesel like they use today. It was right bunker seats, nasty. Yeah, yeah. Not not, not gonna good. Use, not gonna use uh, Dove soap to wash it off. No, no, <laughs> no. no. no there was no Dawn back yeah, then. Yeah, that's what it is. Dawn, I think you meant Dawn. Dawn yeah. soap. Yeah, they, they, they definitely weren't using Dove. Dove? Like, this, <laughs> the moisturizer. Come here, come here, sailor. This will keep your hands soft. <laughs> But I, I, I tell you that, that the, the Navy made me what I am. It, it, it made me the technician that I am. And it, and it took, I, I was in for almost nine years and I, I, it took, it, it, I was at eight years and nine months and it took eight years and nine months mm-hmm. uh, for me to, to really, to, I, and I didn't realize what it had done until I was out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And once I got out, and I was and I was fixing photocopiers, and I was working with an Air Force guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a bunch of technicians that had all came out of the military, and we we all were looking for work, and we couldn't right. get anything. I was working with a, with an Air Force guy who was super bright, and then another another guy, another like former Navy Navy guy, and um, and I realized that that these technicians were were like I couldn't do what they were doing. Right. Like I was not that goddamn good. Right. It just wasn't. And um, I thought, man, what the hell? How am I gonna, you know? And then I leaned back on on some of that training and realized that, you know, I had the skill sets. I just right. didn't, I couldn't apply it. I'm just in the wrong field. I'm just in the wrong field. Mm. Well, and, and true form, I got pretty good at fixing them. I yeah, mean, I was right. got really good at fixing them, but it was just like, this isn't a long term thing. Yeah, you know. And and I really had, I was really directionless until I got. Until my neighbor said, "Come fix time clocks with me." No, oh. like can, get out of the get out of copiers, get out of fixing me to copiers is what I was working on at that point. Come fix time clocks. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> Shit. 
what's a time clock, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm working, I'm working in this, in this <laughs> shop and these fire guys are just laughing at me every time they come through because I'm just beating my head against a wall trying to, to do this you know, chemical cleaning of time clocks. I mean, it was really solvents and... Right, sure. Ugh. And then uh, I got into a big fight with the person I was working with, and and um, yeah, and then one of the guys just said, "You want to come out in the field and learn fire?" And I'm like, "Boy, do I!" Yeah, <laughs> right. That sounds great. What's Sign fire? Me <laughs> Check, please. Don't even care what it is. Oh just God. yes, let's go. What could possibly go wrong? So uh, yeah, I went out in the field, and uh, it was Jim Zeleny and Mike Nat. What, uh, both what from year Simplex. was that? That would have been 1994. Okay. I think I, I I think I've seen some panels from around that uh, those years, and that's that's not easy work no, to work on. No, forty two oh eights, forty two eights, forty two oh sixes, forty two oh eight, simplex forty two oh eights were common. Two thousand and ones, which were which were had modules that you could plug in and out. Yeah. and the forty one hundreds were out. But you know, you worked on a forty one hundred was a great day. But for the most part, we worked on a lot of older equipment and, right. and, and competitive stuff. Okay. I, okay. I went to a I went to a job one time where they were freaking out. There was something was coming in and out, and uh, it was uh, going on runaway or possible oh, yeah. runaway with our radio. And uh, and so I went out and checked it, and they're like, "Yeah, it, it came in as uh, someone pulled a fire alarm pole station, mm -hmm. but nobody did." And I was like, "Okay." So I go and I'm like, "Where's this? Where's the panel at?" And they show it to me. <laughs> And I just wanted to do a reset, you know, like do a quick reset and it'll be fine. But I look at this panel and it's so old. I'm like, where's yeah. the reset button? Where's the button? And also. it turns out it's not a button. It was like a full lever. What? It was what? like this, not a full, I made it look bigger with yeah. this. But it was like, I had to like press it down with my thumb of like, it was like a, like Jurassic Park, you know, in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Where the chikung, chikung, chikung. It was just like that. It was like, chikung, and then it reset and then it stayed. It didn't pop back up. And I was like. I think I did my job. Wow. <laughs> it's not wow. coming back, so that needs to be in a museum. Yeah, it was old. I I think it's probably the oldest one I've ever touched. Yeah, and, and it came back up. No, it stayed down. It was fine. Okay, okay. get up again. Yeah, <laughs> I, get, I get scared to do that with access control panels. You reset our stuff. That's and it's older than ten years. It might not come back up. And that is scary. Oh, really? Won't. Yeah. yeah, like you have to like when they st you start looking at like old. Uh, access control panels, like you have a motherboard with you. Were you asking, did it. it come back up as far as operating? Yeah, online. Yeah, the panel came back up. It, right. it, it worked just fine. I thought you meant, did it? Did the problem come back up? No, it, it fixed oh, itself. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. And it was probably a you know, 25, 26-year-old panel. Yeah, super, wow. super That's old older as far than as that, probably. Yeah. I don't even I, I I can't even say what kind of panel it was. When you're, the way you're describing it, I could probably figure it out, but I'm like, the whole I should have taken a picture. Yeah. Honestly, I should have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there was some old stuff out there. Standard and Simplex and Game, uh, not Game, Gamewell. Some of those guys, those those companies have been around since the 40s and 50s. So, I mean, like Standard especially. Like, we have a building where I work at that's got Standard in it, an old Standard oh, yeah. panel. It's just, it's just nothing, but it's got old ceramic <clears throat> resistors. Oh, oh really? Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, it gets hot. You it's know? it's always an interesting conversation when you go you show up for like a service call or something right. and yeah the, yeah you look at the panel and you're like all right I f I figured out what the problem is what your panel you need to just <laughs> get a new panel man. this thing is so old this thing's janky <laughs> no, you, you show up and the and the guy's smiling you're like hey what's up and he's like you're gonna like this one <laughs> yeah I love that I love that when you first show up and the guy goes. Or, or you're like their savior, and, and you walk in there and go, I can't fix this thing. This thing yeah. is just too far gone, you know? Who this is going to cost you. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, and, the, and the, that, is, that is one of the things that, that, to me, was like, when I was in the Navy, I'm like, okay, the, my equipment could be, the problem could be here, it could be on the mast, it mm -hmm. could be in, you know, in the equipment room. You know, I've got all these different places it could be. And then I worked on photocopiers. It's like the problem is right here. Yeah, it is right. between. It's gonna. It's a four foot by two foot block of crap, and I'm gonna. It's in this. It's in the. And now I'm back to okay. It could it's be a in the, somewhere story in this building. building. Yeah, <laughs> problem is somewhere in this building. Oh Better God. grab a ladder. <laughs> yeah. And it's. I like the. Um, once I. Once I. Once I figured it out, 
once I figured out fire alarm systems and and um, you know I had a lot of people coaching and and, and it's like and, and all of a sudden all the gears started piecing yeah. together they all started fitting together mm-hmm. and then I went oh my god this is all the same yeah like this is it doesn't matter you know what I'm what I'm working on uh, I, I just there's a fundamental mm-hmm. you know how it works is yep. always yep. right there and the Navy's teaching well you know the Navy's teaching is so good right that you when they teach you something you know it you know it backwards forwards up down left right in the dark <laughs> and and if you don't it's incredible like you go into these like mechanic shops mm-hmm. and it's like even if you don't remember you know half your a school because we went through a year a year mm-hmm. uh auto course in three months like you could look at like like the wall and it's just like for every section there's like a binder that's like dummy proof that could walk you through anything yep. you could possibly mm. need to do to that vehicle. Yep, that's crazy. It's, oh. it's idiot proof. It's and it, it's incredible how like organized they, they it is. They had PMS when you were in, right? The PMS system. Yeah, yeah. The PMS system was I thought was a joke when I first got in there because there's these cards and you have to follow them exactly as they're written. Yeah. If you don't, that's called gun decking, and they mm. will disembowel you or something. I don't yeah. know what <laughs> it's something bad. Like that. Whatever it is is bad. So you follow all these rules and you're like, I'm gonna take the equipment apart, I gotta take a little brush, and I gotta brush all the crap out and all the stuff. But you know, you open up the equipment, there's no dust in it. Like there's no dust in it. Right. Just, you never opened up a piece of my equipment that uh, not mine, but our right, equipment right. that had dust in it. It just flat you always it was always clean, the filters were always clean. Yeah. Like and I and I then I get out and I'm civilian. Right. And I opened up stuff, and it's like, what the hell happened? So disgusting. Yeah. yeah. How is this not on fire? <laughs> <laughs> is this human skin? I'm not touching this. <laughs> we got a corpse body in here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you. But the other thing I liked was was I thought I, when I was a copier guy, I thought, well, I could go um, as I was working in a manual and all these different places, and I could go look for another job while I'm doing this copier thing. Right. What could you know? Maybe I'll find something I like. And I got exposure to all these different companies. And then when I became a fire guy, I wound up doing a lot of work in different companies and then seeing what those companies did yeah. and then going, wow, that could this could be. It's one of the reasons I like working in hospitals is once I worked in a hospital over and over and over again, I went, I like this environment. This right. is for me. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know? I. I do uh, all the legacy hospitals from Salem yeah. to Vancouver. So and, you know all of those facilities. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just I walk in there and they see yeah. me and they're like, yeah, he knows where everything is. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like a manual, like I worked a manual, mm-hmm. Good Samaritan Emanuel, uh, Mount Hood Medical, and Meridian Park. Those were the four biggies that they had. Right. Two were union, two were non-union. And so, okay. Okay. so the Meridian Park and Mount Hood Medical were non, and legacy... Emmanuel and Good Samaritan were. I mean, the the for the facilities folks, and I knew all the facilities people. I knew all the directors. I knew I knew the ins and outs, you know. And I, uh, I knew I loved it. I mean, it just 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 like Emmanuel itself was just like wow, you know. You're going into you're in the surgeries. You're yeah. The more you're like, and that the basement is like three blocks long. It's crazy and, and connects. Like All that the huge together. campus, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Everything. You can go from, matter of fact, matter of fact, if there's a body in the basement, you probably ought not like ask what they're there yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. That's bad. <laughs> but, yeah. And that whole that whole scene, you know, like where you where you learn what a hospital is all about, and now, you know, the one I work at now is, of course, just mammoth as compared to like Emmanuel. It's just. Mammoth, man. Really? Mm. Oh, OHSU is huge. Oh. It's huge. That, that is a unit, an yeah. absolute unit. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, and it of all the places I've ever worked, uh, it has been the most intriguing. And 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 I, I, I even, even, even on my retread, I'm back there again. I still am in awe sometimes of how big the place is and just how many different things are happening. Just stop and appreciate yeah. it, a couple, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes. Yeah. 
There's a I, lot of moving parts. Not to change the subject, no, no, uh, no. but I, you know, I'm listening to you talk about your history and where you went. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to the episode that you did, the first our first episode mm-hmm. where you went from DC to to daylight, or really to cosmic rays. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just thinking while you were doing that, is this stuff that you, like, did you sit down and go, I want to learn all of what's between, you know, the the lowest frequency to the highest frequency, or is this just stuff that you kind of put together and then slowly this whole lecture that you have was put together because you're interested in it? Okay, both. When I was Mm -hmm. in the military and I was looking at radars, I... Um, they taught us all the stuff about the radars. There's no doubt about that. Right. But they didn't teach any of the communication stuff. So you get to the lower end of the of the equipment spectrum, and you would pick up these communications. I didn't know what the hell they were. I didn't know what was going on. Sure. And I and I knew how to use the radios we had and all that good stuff, but I didn't really understand. Like the modulation was the big one. Like yeah. why? How is this? How is this machine talking to this machine? Yeah. What am I missing here? Yeah. Well. In subsequent ships that I went on and subsequent commands, one of them was a command that had a lot of radio gear. And so then I was I was trained on working on HF radios and VHF radios. And um, now that opened up a whole spectrum I didn't know about, you know? And so some of the- what, Real quick, what is VHF? Well, VHF is a, a, is a band. So we look at like HF would be the lowest part uh, well, not the lowest part, but HF stands for high frequency, and then above that would be very high frequency, and mm. above that would be ultra high frequency, and okay. then it keeps going higher and higher because yeah. they kept they kept finding more frequencies and going uh, right. ult, ultra super special <laughs> high frequency. They didn't have any other names for crap, right. so it's all screwed up. So, so uh, we worked in these. Uh, I worked almost in exclusively in the SHF bands, the really super high bands. Mm. Um, but when I worked at this last command, we actually had to do VHF, UHF, and HF. Oh, okay. And so okay. that was our our world was working in those bands and those radios. I was only I only worked on a couple of the radio sets, um, but I worked on some pretty cool equipment, and I got to operate a lot of the equipment. And then I started learning more about the. And the more I learned about the communication side of the house, the more I thought, okay, the pieces I'm missing. I'll pick up eventually, and I picked up most of those missing pieces after I got out of the military, uh, as uh, uh, just in studying and trying to understand. Yeah. What? It, and then once I became a ham radio operator, it became then, especially when computers and ham radios merged. Yeah. You were like, oh my god, I can I can look at it. I can listen to all this crap now. I can listen to all of it. I can decipher it. I can figure out what it is. And there's now databases out there. Artemis is a good example of a database that you can actually look at all of the different different modes that are transmitted and see how they work, Dang. like how the computers talk to each other. Like you're like, holy cow. That'd be, that would be actually wild to see. It's incredible. It's incredible. Because to me, to see a machine talk to another machine is... Jaw, still jaw dropping. Yeah. It's, it's jaw. I know it's magic. Can, yeah, my, I know my computers <laughs> yeah, can do exactly. it. Yeah, it's magic. It really, really is. So now, the the more I got into radios and understood what they're going on, the more I realized that every single thing we're dealing with started from modulation techniques that they used in communicating back and forth. Right. And then eventually, when it was pre radio, then radio, and then and now it's all. It's everything. Yeah. And then yeah. I went, oh my God, this all connects. And then I, that, so when I started giving that lecture, I wiped out the first week and changed it to just giving that lecture sure. to, to introduce all the students to a new way of thinking. Yeah, and it really is. I, I know that that was a big moment for me when I was going through the apprenticeship. You know, I had taken at least one class, if not two, before yours, yeah, where it was, was like, couple. Yeah. where it was like introduction to the apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. You show up with your tools, and <laughs> you know, don't, don't not go to work, sort of thing. And, <laughs> Basically, um, here's the rule: yeah. <laughs> don't not go to work. And then, and then we get to your class, and you know, at this point, I'm, <clears throat> I'm like nine months into it, and I'm hoping that this is going to pay off. <laughs> Uh, and I'm <laughs> every day I'm going to work and I'm just drilling holes 
in the wall and stuff and just for fun just yeah until yeah. they tell me to stop and then and then you know no i you know drywallers I, are pissed <laughs> um my journeyman's yelling at me everyone's yelling i you know i'm just i'm just doing work like i don't know even what i'm doing right and yeah. then and then we get to your class and that first week you introduce yourself and then you do exactly what people can listen to on our first episode you just go through and you explain why mm -hmm. why is it how does this work and why does it work and that was probably the first time someone really did that for me where it was like this is the important stuff mm -hmm. right this is why you need yep. why we do what we the do why and and it. from that point on that's i just kept asking question after question exactly. after question after question and i finally got to a journeyman with where i'm at now and he was like, you need to start asking why. And I was like, I thought I was. He's like, yeah. not enough. And yeah. so he pushed me even even more. And that is, I think, the the absolute foundation of learning this trade is, you know, you can teach anybody how to drill, drill a hole through studs and pull wire. But understanding why you're pulling that wire, mm -hmm. where you're pulling it to, and what's the purpose of it, that's going to make a good tradesman. The that's going to make it. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, it was when I realized that I loved my job, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like before, you know, like Tyler said, and you're nine months in, you know, you're you know, you got your little tweaker, you know, you're like landing <laughs> wires that have already been pulled for you. Yeah. You just terminate you know, you're like, this is dull. Like, Normally closed. Makes sense to me. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you know, uh, you actually you take like the first actual class, which is which is your class. And it's just like. Wow, I'm kind of the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Not really for a couple more years, but you know, yeah, yeah. It was like, wow, I am really, yeah. In the idea, the idea in the military, well, in the Navy, for us was when in when I was learning electronic warfare, one of the guys that was probably the top operator on my first ship uh, would just pummel me when I got it wrong. I mean. I mean, when when you picked up the microphone and you transmitted to another ship, if you screwed up, like you were going to get hit by, by with a book. I mean, that's yeah. the way he 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 was. That's that that's the the angst that he brought to the to the fight. Um, it made me, it really put me on my game. Like I really had to to, and I had a good chief there too, who who just kind of who kind of helped me sort of piece things together. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I got to my second ship that I realized what I had learned from my first ship. Right. And that I was, uh-oh, there's a little bit of a, of a difference here in the way that I operate. By the time I left that second ship and I got to my, my third and my fourth, I was like, oh, my God, I'm picking up everything that they're laying down and I'm starting to, to realize what's going on. And I had met enough good instructors in the Navy that could instill in almost anybody the desire to figure it out. Like they were putting the onus on you and and the, the top inspect the top guy instructor I ever had was a guy who who seriously taught me digital theory in about twenty minutes one night because mm. I was completely vapor locked on it after sixteen weeks of not understanding it and he unlocked it for me in twenty minutes. And I, and I just I I said what this guy, the way this guy teaches is what I'm going to do. Nice. And I stole his shit. Yeah. And that's what I do. Excuse me for fresh. That's what I took. <laughs> I think and I did he, it earlier too. <laughs> he literally was it. I mean, I had the guy reenlist me. I mean, honest to God, that's how good he was. That's awesome. And so I went back and um, as I tried to teach my own operators, you know, why we're doing this, you would always run into these guys who didn't want to do it. Like they didn't want to be a part of the team. Like they, it wasn't, they just didn't care. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Oh yeah. They're all, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. You know? And and even today I'll run into someone. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's appreciated, but you know, the rest of us do care. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to focus on them and mm -hmm. I'm going to focus on me. So. Exactly. And um, so, and so that was running with that, with the instilling, like how, how can I get somebody motivated to learn this from organically, like where they want to know more. And part of that uh, for me was to, um, like, like, for example, on the simplex systems, I wanted to, when I was working at, at OHSU the first time, I wanted to know how the smokeheads talked 
to the cards? How did how did the MapNet cards? What is MapNet two, which is the yeah. protocol, and okay. and how does it work? And so I I went to the patent office and I pulled down the patent and I read it. Mm. Wow! And I was like, oh crap, that's how that works. So Devoted. Then, <laughs> yeah, so then there was a guy's name on there and I went, this engineer. I wonder if he can. Oh, there's the engineer and he's still in Boston. Oh, he's working for this other company. Well, there's his number. Hey. I had a question for you. And he goes, <laughs> he really is going really for Randy. Did, I, really I just did. realized that he can do it. Honestly, yeah. God, <laughs> he's going to find it. I called I call, I call this guy up and I go, hey, do you mind? I told him who I was. I said, do you want to ask you a question about MapNet? And he went, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was like, dang, son, where'd you find yeah, this? That was, like, that was like 30 years ago. He goes, he goes, what's your question? So I asked him some questions on it and he went, yeah, and he explained it because he's an engineer. Engineers are, you know, he explained what I was missing, and I yeah. went, "Thank you." And he went, "Yeah." He could feel my other end go, going, "What the hell just happened?" Is this a fever dream? <laughs> <laughs> Did I take peyote? What's going yeah. on? So, um, but so then I I could look up the protocol on the Edwards uh, signature. Uh, their uh, their SLC is called uh, a signature. I forget. It's just it's not on the tip of my tongue, but they have their own protocol for their SLC sure. and how it works, you know, and they're almost all the same. Yeah. You know, and so I, I just went, oh, wow, I could, you could figure out the data. Uh, to me, it was just like, once I figured out that data are being moved and how the data sets are being moved and how this is basically a database in a, in a UL listed PLC with databases that all have to match what's in the field. Oh well, this is not unlike any other, yeah, database system, right? Piece <laughs> of cake. So, I'm I'm actually glad you did uh, kind of branch back into the Navy because mm-hmm. uh, one thing I got I have to bring up from mm-hmm. from your first episode, uh, the chain home ran off the mm-hmm. high high frequency band. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that? Because that sounded super interesting. Okay, like, so they were wooden masts that had horizontal wire strung between them. And the British would send out these pulses with this with the HF radio, and then they would look at the returns. So they would they didn't do it manually; it was an automatic system. Okay. But then they had a scope that would indicate where the transmitted pulse was, and then um, at a length of time before the received pulse. Now this is all happening at roughly the speed of light, so you're able to synchronize the scope to match the actual distance away that the aircraft was. So you had these sets that were aimed in different quadrants or different angles, and then they could compare all of the different, uh, where they were receiving the strongest signals, you know, in which quadrant. And of course, the Germans would often fly, you know, from the same couple of airfields, so then that's where they'd concentrate their their energies. And then they would just piece it all together, and you can see some of the bunkers. You can obviously look at all on Wiki. You can see the bunkers were operated by men and women who showed on a big, flat table where the squadrons were, what squadrons they had available, and how they would muster them out there. And so so oftentimes, the Spitfires or Hawkers would actually meet the the bombers as they were coming across the channel. Wow. That's the best place to that's, meet them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when they couldn't get there in time, then they would meet them over yeah. over the United Kingdom yeah. itself. That's fight. so yeah. crazy, Well, man. the best part is that they had to deceive the Germans. There was times when the Germans figured out that, okay, obviously the, the, the British know we're coming, so then they had other systems that they would, like they would fly between two markers and they would hear dashes on one marker and dits on the other uh-huh. and when they heard a solid tone they knew they were over the target and then they would they would drop their bombs hmm. wow and so the british then built a system to counteract that <laughs> yeah yeah and so then the the germans built another system and then the british developed a system to counteract that that's where Jeez. electronic warfare got its start yeah. from they studied the manatee <laughs> <laughs> manatee man and yeah uh and the radar was actually an accident, right? Because they were they were trying mm-hmm. to learn how to shoot radio waves to knock the German planes out of the air. That was and the original then, idea. Yeah. And then they were like, "Wow, I mean, this is kind of just as useful. Uh, this is yeah. this is better, actually. This is better." Yeah. yeah, I think I think the guy was Watt. I think it's who it was, and he he literally when they were trying to figure out a way to make a ray. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, this ain't working," but you know what is working? 
you could see the thing. What the yeah. hell? What's going on? And that's when they they could they could hear the echo. Yeah. This this became as you look at the science of like radar, for example, they did this one time where they were shooting uh, what is now considered two meter frequencies, 144 megahertz and that around. Uh, they were shooting a, a, a target and they hit something. And when they did the calculation on it, they went, oh, it's 126,000 miles away. <laughs> the only thing that's that far away is the moon. We can't possibly be hitting the moon. And then the engineers went, we're hitting the moon. And then, and that is how Earth, Moon, Earth right. transmission started was because really? an accidental radar transmission hit the moon. They came back and said, I was just out there, just, just shooting the rays out of space. And Cheers to a, the first guy to put his hand up, like, yeah. high five. <laughs> this is kind of cool. <laughs> I, think, I think we hit the moon, get out. Yeah. <laughs> but that's exactly what it was. And, and then they realized that, you know, certain frequencies would go, would stay in the earth and other frequencies would go out. And mm. during different times of day, some frequencies would go out, some frequencies can't. And then they, and that's literally how they did it. And we bounced, we still bounce radio signals off the moon. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah the people do carrier wave, CW, mm. bounce signals off the moon and they come back down to earth and then talk to people on the other side of the globe. Huh. <laughs> they do it all the time. Wow. So if the moon's up, there's somebody right. transmitting off, they're called EME. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah, ham radio guys are nuts, man. We we wow. all have, we all, like, we all find our little niches, uh-huh. plural, and then, like, like I, I do mine, mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'll, I'll have my my big fatty radio up, and I'll be playing with all the knobs and dials, and I'm just like geeking out on it and stuff. And my wife is completely not interested. Yeah. <laughs> like, whatever. And I'll like play some audio. I'm like, well, this guy, is, is in like Canada, like, yeah. like way yeah. northern Canada or Japan. You know, like like this guy is transmiss. So some guy in Japan is talking to me. And I'm talking back, and I have less than 100 watts of power. So a 100 watt light bulb wow. has as much power as I have. Yeah. And I'm talking to him. Do you ever do you ever like point it at the moon and like kind of call your shot? You're like you're like this one's for Berlin, Kobe. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't have any of that equipment. <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> Gage, what the hell, man? <laughs> oh, man. I, I, but I I don't no. I I would like to, but I do have a, a lot of. Um, Dang, it was France. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah. I'm French. <laughs> it's a, it's a, like, like there's always different little subdivisions that you get caught a caught in. Okay. Oh, and I, I, mine is like HF radio. So mm-hmm. I have a big long antenna I put in my backyard and I love antennas like antennas are like porn to me I go (laughs) look at that one look how big that one is that's really cool so shiny he takes really good care of that well I'll look at him I'll go oh that's for that frequency band and you know that's how that works and you know or I'll know that brand or whatever Mm. and and my dad always my dad thought I was crazy man I look at a radar antenna and go how does that thing work and he's like oh my god (laughs) <laughs> I, my first Russian ship I ever went on was was in San Diego, and when I looked at my slides, it were all of freaking radars. <laughs> I couldn't believe. I'm like looking at my slides, going, "What idiot would just go on a ship and just take pictures of all the goddamn radars?" No, the, the, their I'm MPs are just sitting there like, "Are we allowed to let him?" Do <laughs> yeah, I don't think he even knows what he's doing. <laughs> it was different. I knew I, when I was in the military. I said, if I ever walk on board a Soviet ship. In Port San Diego, my days in the Navy are done. And within a year, I stood on board to solve Remney DDG and shook hands with the sailors and went, my days are done. And I was out by mm. by 91. I was out. Wow. I was done. I was done. I, the, all of the chasing of the Russians was over with. Yeah. 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 And now I'm, it, maybe it's back. I don't know. Yeah. It's a whole other story They're just now. trying to sell toothpaste, I think. Something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> trying to sell ad space for the for the newscast. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I think oh, I think God, that's going to be a gauge. Unless you have more questions, or Mike, if you have questions for us, I, I think that's our show. We probably should do this again. I'm sure that. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, if you like what you hear on this podcast, then you need email halfwattpod at gmail dot com. That's yeah. halfwattpod h a l f w a t t p o d. Yeah, we we would love to take questions, especially for yeah. uh, this segment. I mean, 
write them in if you have stories yeah I mean, not, this is, not even questions but like stories yeah, horror I mean, stories right. praises funny stories anything that we can share from you our our audience naked pictures of gage or tyler yeah they're we'll out take there. those too they're they're consider there. this your your shoot for the moon hit berlin <laughs> kobe <laughs> lebron james <laughs> Um, yes. Yeah, so this podcast is for you. It's yeah. for it's for our own people, you know, our own kind, our own technicians, our own electricians, our own folks, everybody out there, right? This yeah, is just for anyone you. with an yeah. interest in, in yeah. electricity. And and honestly, if you really do like the podcast, the best thing that you can do is uh, share it with a friend. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, that's really tell important. Them about it. And if you have a question that Mike doesn't know the answer to, he'll he'll call up the patent owner and force them to <laughs> talk to us. Even in the middle of the night. Hey, excuse me. <laughs> can I ask you? Hey, hey, let me ask you something. Holy I got a podcast. I need you to talk to me. Yo, my man. Let me ask you something. <laughs> you flew to Maine. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, that engineer, was he, he he literally was like, I cannot believe. Hands on the patent. Yeah. <laughs>